and uh, really glad that you're here on this Labor Day weekend. And if you have your Bibles, you could take them and go to, to, to Proverbs is where we're going to start. And we're going to get somewhere else. This is week two of our Rethinking Rich. And as we worshiped and, and just kind of getting to that place as Lyle was praying that we would just be open to what God has for us tonight. And so, again, if you're kind of new, uh, I'm Jack. I'm one of the pastors here and really honored to have you here on this Labor Day weekend. And so um, as you're turning there or if like if you didn't bring a Bible, but you brought your phone. That's actually a Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not, but like there's a Uversion app, and uh, I do all my notes on that. So if you actually download Uversion and then click on live events, you'll find Element City Church, and you can follow along on that as well. So um, really glad you're here. Week two, we're going to dive into this. We started this last week, and we're going to end it this week, just looking at some things. And I know just this whole idea of rethinking rich, and you see money signs, you're kind of like, ah, oh, that preacher guy is going to talk about money. Yes. Um, but I want you to kind of to kind of think about this. This is not the church kind of saying, hey, um, we want something from you. I, I really believe this when I say this. This is really about God wanting something for you and for something for you to, to live wisely and to gain wisdom from it and to actually be at the place that you dream at the deepest part of who you are and where you'd like to be or closer to it or moving in that direction. Because as we did this series uh, this, a few weeks ago, this idea of wisdom, that wisdom is personified in Jesus. And Jesus had a lot to say about resources and finances and our relationship with it and how we navigate it. And often we don't like to talk about it, but because it's one of those things we want to leave as untouchable. But the truth is our faith is directly tied to it. In a lot of ways, the spiritual growth of where you are and where you will go has some connections to how you relate and how you navigate with finances. And that doesn't seem um, like it seems difficult. It seems challenging. And for some of you, maybe you've been in church for a long time and you're like, okay, I know everything. I do everything. And tonight, I hope that as we look at a couple of different passages that you're just either refreshed and renewed or maybe you see it for the very first time. And maybe that you're just kind of, it rekindles something for you and your faith journey. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, I've, this is my first Sunday back in church. And I want to tell you, look, we don't talk about this all the time. Like literally this is the first time I've talked about it in like nine months. Okay. So like in, we come on back we've got a great series starting up next week, looking at freedom and life with God and how do you experience more freedom in life? And I'd invite you back to that, but I want to invite you to lean in. In fact, maybe you're sitting here and you're not even a believer or follower of Jesus. You just got drug here by somebody and like they didn't drug you because that's weird. Um, but they drug you here and maybe promised you dinner afterwards. And that's cool. Uh, enjoy dinner. And hopefully somewhere in here, you get to lean in because tonight is actually going to be a little bit of a family chat. And you as a non-believer, maybe even get to look into the church and look into specifically Element City Church and go, you get a seat at the table and you need to look at us and get to say, is that family weird? Or does that family actually live out what they talk about? And so you're, you got a seat at the table and you get to kind of see some things because at the end of tonight, I'm going to actually have a real family chat of just kind of where we are and where we're going and the mission God has for us. And so I invite you just to kind of lean into that. We looked at this, this notion, the whole premise of the series is this, this pull in our lives that, that the world says, hey, I want to pull you and aim your life at getting rich. And yet God seems to have said all throughout scripture, I want you to aim your life at something better. I want you to aim your life at being rich. And those are two radically different things. And the fact is, if you end up living your life being rich, when you actually get rich, 
you'll be better at it. That's the truth. That's what God's word is actually saying. You will either spend your life and aim your life at getting rich and everything that comes with that. All the maybe joys that might come with that. And listen, all the heartache that might come with that. And we all know people who have experienced that. We've known people who have gotten really rich and like tanked out in life, right? We, we've seen it. We've watched it. It's called reality TV, okay? We've seen people just implode in that. Or you can aim your life at what the scriptures are kind of calling us to. It, it, it's saying, let's, let's learn what it means to be rich. And as we learn that and, and work that into our character and who we are, then we'll actually discover some things. Like last week, we discovered the fact is, if you went to your closet and you had options and you drove here and you could pull over and get a latte and come here and tweet out that I am rich, you are rich compared to the rest of the world, Right. And so often in our culture, we forget that reality because we live under a different pressure, a pressure of comparison and a pressure of what is yet to come and what my only if number is, right? We kind of talked about that. So if you missed last week, especially if you call Elements Home, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen because it sets up a lot of what we're talking about tonight. And so we learned uh, some different principles and some things that kind of help us. We said money is not bad. Money is a tool and it's important how you use it. It could be really useful and it can be dangerous. It depends on how you approach it and how you relate with it. That the scripture has so much to say about this. In fact, I don't know if you knew that there are 2,350 verses about money, resources, and how you interrelate and how you relate and manage it in the Bible. I've memorized all of them and want to share them with you tonight. Uh, no. Um, uh, for you stat nerds, that's about 15% of the Bible, okay? Think about that, 15% of the Bible. That's a big chunk. Was Jesus obsessed about money or what? No, just look at his life and how he lived. Jesus knew a secret. He knew how obsessed we can become about money. And so I think the scripture has a lot to say because he, the scripture is saying, I want you to aim your life at what? At being rich, living richly which is radically different than the world's pull toward us to want to get rich. And so tonight I want to kind of take a journey, get real practical. In fact, if you're in your 20s or a teenager tonight, I'm telling you, you're going to hear some stuff that maybe it's a reminder for you because you've heard it before. And if not, maybe it's really fresh. And I'm telling you, if you live this out, it will change your life. I mean it. So lean into that. Now, uh, how many of you operate life with a little bit of mystery to it. Like you don't understand everything, right? The rest of you have all of life figured out. Well done. Why are you here? Um, so um, some of you, I, there's a few things in life that I just don't understand how they work, but they matter to me. I live in the mystery of them. Wi-Fi is one of them. I don't understand how many of you use Wi-Fi, okay? Do you understand how it works? I don't. And I know some engineers here, you're like, oh, dork, it goes like this. And like, you just, you can explain it and all this stuff. And I'm like, boo tune you out. Um, but I don't get how Wi-Fi works. But here's the idea. I've embraced the mystery because I will not go to a coffee shop or to a restaurant that doesn't have it. Why? Because I'm connected. And if your coffee shop doesn't have it, unless I'm practicing the Sabbath, I'm not going to it. Okay. Because I need Wi-Fi. I don't know how it works. I just know that it does. I live in the mystery of Wi-Fi. 
I live in the mystery of bridges. How do you put that much concrete up in the air and not have it fall down? I've studied gravity. It works. How does that happen? And I know, I know, I know. Some of you are engineers. You're like, well, rebar, and it's kind of supported. Tune you out again. Um, I don't get it, but I live in the mystery of bridges, okay? I navigate bridges every day. I live fully trusting them. But I don't understand how it works. I don't get it. Anyone else with me on that? I don't understand. I have traveled the world, okay? Not because I'm cool. Just I've had the opportunity. I've traveled the world. I still don't understand how you can put a bunch of people into a giant metal tube, propel them at hundreds of miles an hour through the air at 36,000 feet, and have them arrive safely. Do you get that? I don't understand airplanes. It's a mystery to me how they actually work. But yet I live in that mystery and I work in that mystery. Here's the truth when it comes to finances. Your finances should not be a mystery to you. Okay? So when the Bible's talking about mystery or talking about finances and we want to eliminate mystery when it comes to your finances, you can navigate through Wi-Fi all you want. Good for you. Okay? You don't have to understand it. You can hop on a plane. Good for you. You're probably going to make it. Okay, so you can do all those things with some mystery, but your finances shouldn't be one of them. And so I want to look at a few verses here, and, and tonight's really practical. A lot of principles that I think are hopefully going to lay some things out. We'll actually play a little game. We'll have some fun with that. But the truth is your finances should not be one of those mysteries. I told you, 2,300 verses about it in the scriptures. Why? Because God doesn't want it to be a mystery to you. It speaks with great clarity of how you aim your life at being rich and living richly. It wants it to be crystal clear of how you can go about doing this. Here's the first uh, verse here. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, what? Gulp theirs down. Listen. Here's a side tip that's not in my notes. If you go to Macaroni Grill or to Carabas uh, or to like Olive Garden, you should never just gulp down olive oil, okay? That is not good for you. What's the Bible saying here? What's it saying? Don't drink olive oil? No, it's not what it's saying. Listen, again, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools... Gulp it all down. Fools live with this idea of just hand to mouth. Okay, what's it saying literally? Think back ancient times, okay? Olive oil was helpful. Choice food, good to have food, right? So you store it up. You, you don't live to the edge. Here's the principle, okay? If you live life to the edge financially, you will fall off. There you go. That's the truth, isn't it? If you live life full out to the edge financially, guess what? You will trip up. Life happens. You will fall. That's the truth about it. And so what the scriptures are saying here is, listen, you create some margin. Create some space for you. Wise people do that. The next verse, Proverbs uh, 27, if you just turn over a couple pages. So here's what it says. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now it's 610 right now. Do you know the condition of your flocks and herds? That seems weird, right? 
like I don't have goats and sheep. You know, maybe you do. That's awesome. Um, what's it saying? What's it saying? It goes on. For the riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not uh, secure for all generations. Here's the truth. You need to know the conditions. The idea of mystery with Wi-Fi is okay. But the idea of mystery when it comes to your financial state is not okay. That's what it's saying. That we need to know. Listen, you cannot delegate that to someone else. Maybe you can. Maybe you have your own personal accountant. But even that. You cannot delegate knowing the condition of your resources that God's gifted you to manage. You need to understand those things. You need to know the condition of what they are. You need to learn. Maybe uh, here's a principle I put. Uh, it's wise to know the condition of it if you're in charge of it. The filter throughout the Bible is that we are to be managers, not owners of our stuff. That God has gifted us. In fact, all throughout the scripture, you'll read about stewardship. It's a word we don't use very much in the English language. You're not going to use it at your work day tomorrow. Uh, the, the word steward's not going to come up, probably. But stewardship is this idea of living with a manager mindset, of understanding the conditions of things and how things operate. Tomorrow, let's say you go to Starbucks. Why? Because they have free Wi-Fi. It's awesome. You don't have to know how it works. It works. You go there, right? And you're going to get your pumpkin spice latte because you're a PSL fanatic, even though there's not an ounce of pumpkin in it. Think about that. Um, so you're going to go get your pumpkin spice latte. You walk in. You're super excited. It's early. You need coffee. And you walk up to the manager and they say to you, we are out of cups today. I'm so sorry. We ran out of that syrup as well. What are you going to feel? Besides rage, what are you going to feel? Disappointment, right? You're going to be disappointed. In fact, you may even be depressed. And you're going to be depressed and uncaffeinated, which is worse, right? And you're going to leave Starbucks. And you're going to go in your day and you're probably going to rear in someone because you're frustrated and you're depressed and you're uncaffeinated. And then you're going to have weird conversations. You're going to yell at people and blow up at them. It's going to create all this rift all across the city. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. So what do we learn? The managers of Starbucks really run our city, don't they? That's what we learn. Managers have to understand something if you're a manager. When you're running low on cups, what do you have to do? Get some more. It's pretty easy, right? They have to know the condition of their store. And in order for you to have your pumpkin spice latte, to be happy, to save the world, and for you to be thriving in it, they have to order cups on time, right? So they have to know the conditions, and so do we. If you're in charge of it, you better know the condition of it. And as a manager and as a steward of what God's given us, that's what we need to keep in mind. We're to be managers of these things. We're to be not owners. These are God's gifts given to us. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's the owner. I'm the manager. And as a manager, it's my responsibility not to delegate to someone else, but my responsibility to know the condition of what I've got. Now, at different stages, that's going to be different things, right? Different seasons, that's going to be different things. Nothing's in guarantee. You have to know. Now, does that mean you have to sit on pins and needles and be that weird guy who's like always you know, carrying his checkbook around? <laughs> Sorry, like you carry a checkbook. Um, so, like opening your app all the time and understanding all this stuff. Don't be fanatical about it. 
that's weird and unhealthy, okay? But do you know the condition? If you answer no, then your next step is to know because that's what good managers do. They have to know the condition. Don't be a fanatic about it. Be healthy. Be wise about it. And so you want to live with this principle. Now, all throughout the scriptures also, there's this, this pull, this relationship we see a lot through um, this idea of generosity and responsibility. Here's the second principle I want you to see, okay? Tomorrow's generosity flows out of today's responsibility. Listen, that is a really good line, and I don't think you all caught that, okay? So tomorrow's generosity flows out of today's responsibility. I worked hard on that one, okay? Okay, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, it's really good. Um, because here's the truth all throughout the scriptures, is if, if you are a manager, if I'm a steward of what God's given, okay, and I'm responsible for it, then my responsibility today ensures the ability for me to grow a generous heart for tomorrow. But see, if I just have generosity without responsibility, it lacks longevity. It can't keep going. And if I just have responsibility but no generosity, you will lack joy. And you will make it all about you. And it will become something that consumes you instead of you being the consumer. You being the, using it as a tool, you become the tool. And I know so many people like that, don't you? Who their whole pursuit is about getting rich. And all of a sudden they may have some toys and they may have flashes of fun, they say. But it's hollow. Because they don't have joy. They don't have the ability to even enjoy what they have or to bless others. It's just becoming consuming and eating them on the inside out. There is this relationship in the Bible between generosity and responsibility. They have to go hand in hand and you need them. And so I want to walk you through really practical things that will help with that. For some of you, you've been doing this for a long time and this will be simply be a refresher or your kids are sitting next to you and you'll be like, I told you so, I told you so, okay? For others of you, maybe if you're in your 20s, I'm telling you this is life-giving for you if you will practice this. For others of you, you've gotten to a place and maybe you're sitting here and with us talking about money, you're like, man, my finances, I know the condition, it's a mess, Okay, and you'd say that and I want to tell you it's okay. I mean, it's not okay that it got there, but it's there. That's reality. You have to live with reality, right? So let's figure out how to move you forward so that next year you don't have to say it's as much of a mess, right? So let's just figure out wise steps to begin to take that. And here's the real simple one is this. If you begin to live with, I'm going to call the B word, okay? A budget. Oh, <laughs> no. That's all grown. It's just gross, isn't it? Budget. That wasn't very much groaning, actually. I was expecting a little bit more. Um, but a budget, let me give you the simplest, most biblical budget I can give you. Now, in the Bible, when you read through the Bible, you're not going to find this written out in a section like in Jeremiah that says, here's your budget that you should live by, okay? But if you go back and look at Abraham's life and you go back and you look at Proverbs chapter 3 and you look at Malachi chapter 3 and you look at the Gospels and you look at the New Testament and what Paul, even Paul's writing in the epistles to the churches, you will see this lived out in practical ways. I'm going to give it to you in a handle that I think is really easy 
to understand, okay? So, you can't really read the words, but that's live, okay? That's save. That's give. The 101080 budget. Super simple, okay? I've got 10 bucks. Let's say that your net worth equals 10 bucks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but for simplification, let's say your net worth or your income for the year is 10 bucks, okay? We know that we looked at last week, we want to be live to live richly toward God. I know this about you. You want to do that. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. You want to do that. Maybe you're coming back to church and you're, you're saying, I've just been missing something in life. Can I tell you what you're missing? You're missing life with God. And part of living life with God is to be on the same page with him of how he says approach life. And this will bring life to you. And so this idea of give, save, live is a really simple, important thing. Let's say you have 10 bucks, right? So in the Bible, it talks about, and I know it's the Old Testament, it talks about a 10% tithe. It talks about a 10% giving back to God, living richly toward God. We'll read also that it talks about this idea of saving for the future. Don't gulp everything down, right? It also talks about this idea of you have a life. You have to live, right? And you have to figure out how to navigate that. So what if we said, okay, I got 10 bucks. That's my worth right now. I've got the income I've got coming in. I'm going to give to God. And I know the New Testament talks about a cheerful giver. In fact, I know people who do the reverse of this. Okay, so I'm not going to have that argument with you. Let's say you save some for the future, and then you got your eight bucks to live on. Okay, so give, save, live. It's really maybe that simple. And I know that may seem like, well, the, the, you spent all week on that? That's like really easy. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> because I don't think people do this. And I told you last week, our story, we didn't do this. I always gave because I wanted to. I've been a believer for a long time. I've wanted to do this. Save is, that's just tough, isn't it? And the culture, because it's really easy to go, well, I can live a little bit more. It's easy to go, okay, God, well, I've got a lot of living to do right now. And so I'm going to hit you back later. Okay, I'm good for it. And God would say, okay, you could do that your way. It's your resources. I've blessed you with all of them, but you're the manager. You know the condition. And so you live it out. And so I know people who do that. I know people who say, okay, um, no give, no save. I'll live. And then something happens. And they look at their save and they go, oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, no. Or they look at the, the give and that, well, actually, that's never even on the radar. Um, and so that's okay. God would say, well, I've called you to be a manager. And so what does that look like for you? Now, I know for some of you, you got, you mentioned last week, a bunch of school debt, right? And so this idea of, okay, give, save, live, how does this work out? Maybe you can't do this right away. You got so much school debt and all that stuff. What if you just said, okay, I'm going to, give, uh, and then I'm going to save. I'm going to take a little bit more portion of that saving. I'm going to actually pay it off on school debt. Okay. Now, if you're a magician, you could put that back together afterwards. That'd be really helpful. Thank you. Um, but I don't know what it is for you. And I'm not standing up here saying it has to be this. Here's what I'm telling you. 
from what the scriptures say in 2,300 verses, the weight of that, what they're saying is this is the best possible way for you to live and navigate and have a relationship with the resources and money that God's blessed you with. I just summed up 2,300 verses for you. That's pretty good. And so it's this call for you to figure this out. Now listen, if you're a parent, okay, how life-giving can this be to teach your children? One of the greatest stressors in our lives is financial, isn't it? We all worry about it. What if you did some things that begin to remove or lessen some of that worry and anxiety that eats at you? Let's say you've never saved anything in your life. Okay? You've lived. That's what you've done. Can I just strongly suggest to you, uh, first off, I'd ask you this question. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? And then as you kind of waded through your answer to that, I would simply say, would you like to try maybe something different? And would you like to maybe lean into the truth of what the scriptures kind of call us to? And maybe you're not able to do 10, 10, 80. That's fine. Maybe you could do 5, 5, 90. Maybe you just start with that. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe you're swimming in debt and you're barely keeping your head above water. Fine. What if it's 1, 1, and 98 or 2, 2, 96, okay? That's where I stop because I lose track of uh, money in there. Um, <clears throat> what if you just started? Here's my challenge to you. Just start. Wherever you are, start. Do something different than maybe what you've been doing. And I'm telling you, I know people who do this reverse, who have gotten to the place who they say, okay, you know this give thing? I'm going to give away 70%. I'm going to live on 20 and I'm going to save 10. I know people who do it every kind of different way. Why? Because they've, they've taken responsibility today so they can be generous tomorrow. I have a lot of regrets about how I lived. I have some regrets about how I've saved. I'm telling you, I have zero regrets of how I've given to God all throughout my life. Because I know this, the local church is the hope of the world when it's lived out healthy. It really is. I've seen it change lives. It's changed my life. I have never regretted anything I've ever given to God. In fact, everything I give to God, I know this to be guaranteed. It will never crash. It will never falter. It will never default. I have a lot of things I've lived on that I've bought that I had that buyer's remorse. You ever had that? Where you buy something, you go, why did I do that? That was dumb, right? I've never felt that with the church or giving to bless other people. I've never done that with savings or very rarely have I ever felt like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have saved that. You know why? Because that builds health. See, when you don't gulp everything down, then you have margin and you have the ability to respond to life because here's what we all know. Life happens, right? It just does. And so if I figure out a way 
for me to live this out, this is so practical. What if you're sitting here and you're thinking about marriage? My hunch is you both probably came from different backgrounds, different raised differently in approaches to money. What if you need a new normal? Might this be it? Might this be really helpful? Isn't this simple? Now, some of you, I know when the number gets bigger than 10, like how do you do that? You get a calculator, okay? Really, seriously, it's really that simple. You get a calculator, you go back to fourth grade math, and you just figure it out. Maybe you need to ask for your check all in ones next time, if that's easier for you. I don't know. That'd be weird, but go for it. Um, you know, figure it out for you and begin to take some steps to see this. What if, um, what if you're single and you're like, okay, I don't make hardly anything. Okay, start. I want you to hear that. Just start. It doesn't have to be all these numbers. You figure out what's right. Today's responsibility will help you live out what I know is deepest within you, which is tomorrow's generosity. I know that about you. You want that at the very core of who you are. And so how do you begin to take some steps to begin to practice that and live that out? This idea of give, save, live is huge. Now, again, for some of you, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, that's great preacher guy, but you, I don't even have enough in my live bucket like to live. Then I would say to you, we want to help. Okay. We're not here to take your money. We want to help you work on responsibility. So here's a real practical thing you can do. We're starting a nine week class called financial peace university it's nine weeks looking through not all 2,300 verses. Don't be freaked out. But looking out at how the Bible says how you approach and relate to your money and resources. Take it. If you can't afford it, you come see me. I believe in this so much that I think it will be very life-giving to you that you'll wake up a year from now and you'll have made progress. And that is the best feeling in the world, isn't it? especially when it comes to your finances, then you take that class. Sign up tonight. It starts September 17th. All the information's online. You can find out about it. But you start by taking responsibility. Know the condition. My condition's a mess, okay? Then how do we take the next step forward? That's what you're trying to figure out. And we got some people that can help coach you along with that. Uh, this is a really big deal. Um, and I hope, I've talked to a few of you after last week's sermon, um, and a few of you came up and said, man, that was, that was us. We were in this uh, bucket over here. We didn't have these. And uh, this one was just, it wasn't spilling over. It was kind of dry. Um, and you began to take some steps. So now you're beginning to live. And isn't this freeing when you begin to experience this and see this? It's just life-giving to you. It's freeing to live this. Why? Because this whole premise of the series has been about this is what God has for you, not what he's trying to claw away from you. This is about how he wants to bless you. He's the owner. You're the manager. Manage and steward well so that you wake up knowing this is where I want to be. Uh, there's another verse I'm going to look at, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. This is the, the verse I write. Um, I, I write notes to every first-time giver. 
here at Element City Church. And this is the verses I put in there. Um, and I, I point people to this because this is what the early church began to navigate and what they had to understand. See, what you have to understand is the early church, much like the current day church, runs on finances the same way your life runs on finances. And the early church in Jerusalem was suffering greatly. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth and says, would you help out the brothers and sisters who are here? And he writes to this other church in Macedonia, a much smaller church. This is kind of a mega church thing in Corinth and the smaller church in Macedonia. And both churches respond. And here's what he's writing to them. He says this, whoever sows sparingly, this is verse uh, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, what's he saying there? There's this principle of the heart. Remember, finances is always about the heart. That's why Jesus spoke about it so much. More than heaven, more than hell, more than marriage combined. Why? Because he knew this is where our heart goes. In fact, if you're sitting here wishing you could come up and get the $10 that are here, your heart's there, Okay. I'll give it to you. It's okay. Um, but it's this truth that all of our hearts want to go here and to clamor after these things. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and vice versa. This is not saying if I give God a dollar, then he's going to give me 10 back. Okay. God's not a genie. Uh, he's not the slot machine in the sky. This isn't this idea of I just do this. This is the idea of living purposefully. I make decisions today that will help my generosity tomorrow. I choose to do this, and I, I, I bless God because he's the one that's blessed me with everything anyway. I don't have to have the abilities I do. He granted those. And so I'm going to be a good steward of that. So he goes on. Each of you should give what he has decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Listen, this is not the idea of, oh, God, here again, throw it in the bucket. This is not about reluctancy. Nor is this about compulsion. Okay, that preacher guy is talking about money. I guess I, I, guess I better give some. How do I do that online? Um, you know, just listen. I, don't give here. If that's, I mean that. I want you to. But if that's really the compulsion in your heart, we don't want it. Because this is something we want for you. Not from you. I want you to live and experience what God's calling you to, and to live in the freedom of that. He says, don't give, you make a decision. God loves a, what? Cheerful giver. God doesn't love a big giver more. He doesn't love a small giver less. He loves what? A cheerful giver. One who isn't giving out of compulsion. One who isn't giving reluctantly. One who says, God, I can't wait to bless you with what you, I can't believe you blessed me with this. And I want to steward it. I want to keep saving. I want to bless people. I want to live out the principle we talked about last week of do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. Every time I do that, I get jazzed about it. I'm telling you, it is fun to do this. I love doing it. And I have more freedom and the ability to do it now because I made decisions in yesterday so I can live generous today. And you have to live that out. You have to follow that principle. He goes on. God loves a cheerful giver. And, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is not reluctant with his generosity. Think about it. Think about your life. Think about all the blessings 
God's poured into your life, not just financial, but all the ways that he's proved himself to be present with you. Think about it. God's not reluctant or hesitant with that. God's a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because it reminds him of himself. And isn't that the point that we'd be formed more and more into the image of Christ? That as children of God, we begin to reflect our daddy a little bit more? Isn't that the point? And finances, friends, is a huge part of your spiritual growth. It just is. Because it has so many ties to our heart. And God's always about forming our heart. Here's what I know, uh, because I have three kids. I know... um, There are three different kinds of people in this room when it comes to this idea of giving and talking about, you know, living richly toward God. I know that some of you here are your grippers. Um, Some of you here are tippers and some of you here are givers. Okay, grippers are those of you, you may even uh, frame it out and even say words like, this is my money. Okay, Jack, you don't understand. This is my money. I've worked really hard for it. I'm the one that, you know, pulled myself up. I'm the one that fought off other things. I'm the one that said no to other things and other distractions. This is mine. And I'm the owner of it. And here's what I would say to you. Awesome for you. How's that working for you? Seems like a lot of pressure. Man, it seems like a lot of pressure, actually. To live as the owner, as the creator of all that. What happens when life happens to you? See, grippers over time have a tendency to not just grip their stuff, their stuff actually begins to grip them. Now, tippers, on the other hand, are those who have said, okay, I don't really have a plan, I don't really know the condition, but I like you. I I like your church. I like this event. I like the ice bucket challenge thing. I like whatever this is. And and they just kind of tip at it. I got 10 in my pocket, so I'll just, I'll give 10 toward it. And that's cool. I love tippers. We love tippers. Keep tipping. Um, But here's the truth. That's not sustainable. And the impact you can have is really minimal, isn't it? Do you know any waiter or waitress that can live just off their tips? Do you? Maybe if they're at Fleming's or something. But I don't know many that are at normal places who can live just off of tips. Do you? And so what if, what if the movement of God is that Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for people who are far from him? And what if the movement of God says, I'm going to gather a bunch of people called the church and they're going to be the displayers of that message, the givers of that message, that life-giving, changing message to the world. Can that movement live just off tips? Probably not sustainable. The other part, the other third group is those givers who have said, I want to be a cheerful giver. Not a cheerful tipper. I want to be a cheerful giver. I'm going to actually figure this out where I can give, I can save, and I can live. And I'm going to figure that out for me in this season of life. And when my season changes, I'll figure it and recalculate it. And I'll figure it out. As my season changes again, I'll do that. Because I want to be a person that lives generously toward God and toward his mission. What if the church was filled with those 
do you think the movement of Jesus would have greater impact in our world, friends? Can I be brutally honest? Part of the reason the church has a message that falls on deaf ears is because we don't have the resources. I'm not saying our church. I'm talking the capital C church. They've either squandered and not been good stewards of the money that's been invested, and we've all seen that. Or they've not been equipped. Where's the arts in the church? Arts have a cost. We see it every time when we watch the Emmys. We see it every time when we watch every award show. The arts are powerful, aren't they? What if the church was equipped with the arts to speak a language that people need to see and need to feel and need to sense? Wouldn't that be powerful? That takes resources, doesn't it? What if, what if people were able to love one another in a way, in practical, meeting, tangible needs that a watching and skeptical world would look at the church and say, why are you meeting my needs? This doesn't make sense. I'm the one that got myself in this mess. And what if the church just shows up and say, we're here to help and take you by the hand and walk you to a better place. And that better place is actually in a relationship with God. And we'll meet some of these practical needs along the way. What if the church could be freed up to do that? Do you think we would need as many social services in our cities, in our nation, if the church was freed up to be the church? I don't think so. The church is the hope of God for our world. And when the church is fueled with people who are healthy and following after Jesus and who are freed up to use their gifts and talents and express those in a way to a watching and skeptical world, I believe that is the most powerful force on our planet because Jesus said it would be. Remember? I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't even stop it. So when the church is fueled, it's powerful. And it can begin to do some practical and unbelievable life change within people. So God loves a cheerful giver. See, the reason I share all this stuff is real simply this. I want you to know the condition. I want you to be wise. I don't want you to, to sit here and go, um, I have no idea how to manage. The Bible's really clear about how to help with that. And maybe you're not there. Just start somewhere. Just start. Take a step toward that. And you will be the one who wins in that. Now, I told you I wanted to do a little bit of family chat. And so I just want to walk us through that because here's the deal. I want, the Bible wants to remove mystery from finances and I want to remove mystery from Element City Church because that's the church that we've been given to steward, okay? That's the church that we've been given to lead and to make an impact across our city. Our vision of what we want to see God do through our church is so big and so grand, I have not enough time to tell you about it. Too many dreams, too many visions, but I want you to know reality. So I want to celebrate a little bit with you, okay? We moved here in January of this year. So January 12th, I think, was our first Sunday here at Catalina High School. Uh, we had the privilege, I don't know if you know this, if you're kind of outside the Elements family, kind of looking in a little bit, let me give you a brief history, okay? Element City Church was Elements, a service of Pantano Christian on the east side. It started with 12 people 
in a, in a house, okay? And those 12 people in a house just said, hey, let's pray and ask God to work. And they began working at things. And then they moved on to campus at Pantano Christian Church uh, about five years ago or four and a half years ago or so. Started holding services on a Saturday night, moved it to Sunday night, and started growing, right? Uh, about a year and a half ago, I joined in because I knew Brian, and uh, they had called and asked, and so I left the church I was at and came and be a part of Element City Church. We renamed it, and it started meeting at Pantano and growing and launching out to say, we're going to launch this church out as a healthy church. I want you to hear this. This was not a church split. This was a healthy church saying, there's people in Midtown that need Jesus. Let's go start a church there. Okay. So this was two churches, because the church I came from, Casas and Pantano, got together and said, let's help launch this church. And so they put finances to it, resources to it. And as we begin to grow, we got here in January. We are averaging about 50 plus people uh, this year since we've moved than we were when we were meeting at Pantano Christian. So at Pantano Christian, we were in mom and dad's basement. Okay. And it was awesome. But then we grew up and became a young adult church and we moved out on our own. And so we've got our own apartment. Here we are. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, and we're here and we're getting to grow as a church, right? And we've got some things. We've, uh, we've got about 75 different people that are volunteering and makes this happen. Our church will not happen without volunteers. It just doesn't happen. Why? Because you only have two and three quarter staff people. Okay, to over 200 plus people that are coming. We're averaging around 250 or so when you count kids and everything. Uh, we're, we're staffed accordingly to where we are, but we can't do it all. So we got 75 people in volu uh, volunteering around here. We got about 100 people connected into group life, okay? Whether that's um, in an e-group that meets uh, on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights or in homes or meets at the office. Uh, we have an office complex that's here about four miles east of here. That's where we do everything other than Sundays here, right? So we've got to pay for that. We've got all these different expenses. Now, Casas and Pantano chipped in. Here's what I want you to see. Is this the budget number? Go to the next one. Oh, oh, we go back. This is awesome. So uh, in 2013, we had 201 guests actually trust us with their information. So like if you're a newbie and a guest here, this, like those cards, we literally keep them. We love you. Um, and uh, we had 201 people give that. Can, since January to July, so just seven months in, we've had 231 this year. So like that's a huge increase in seven months, what we did 12 months last year. Make sense? So we've got this growing. This budget, we, have, we do a June through July budget. So we just finished up the end of July, our fiscal year. And that's what we call it. We do that on purpose. Uh, that's not because we're weird. Uh, we just do it that way because it's a better fit and flow to income throughout the whole year. So we finished up at $211,000 on income coming in. We spent about two hundred and five. okay? So like we were in the black. Uh, if you're new to finances, like that's a yeah. Uh, I know we have a couple CPAs here. You're like, high five yourself. Um, so so uh, that's a good thing for us. Now, this next year, we made a projection of about 224. Our goal is 300,000. Here's why. Because those kitties that have been helping supply and supplement some of our expenses. So like every piece of audio equipment and video equipment that you see here has a cost to it, doesn't it? It's just the reality of it. I, I don't have this at home, right? Uh, you probably don't have it at home. I don't have this sound system at home. I wish I did. It's super cool. Um, but I don't have it at home. And so there's a cost to it. 
And so we have these things that are kind of helping supplement this. They run out in March of 2015, okay? So at that point, as a young adult church who has moved out on her own, what? Guess what? Mommy, daddy helped us get out the door, right? And now we got to grow up. That's the reality of it. I'm removing mystery here, okay? So that everyone knows and everyone's here. We've got about 130, well, not about, we've got 133 giving units that we can track. And here's what we mean by that. I know that there are 133 individuals or couples that give to Element City Church, either by check or online. If you give cash because you're a tipper or you give cash because that's what you want to do, um, hey, you can get a tax donation. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. You might want to think about that. Um, but we can't track cash, obviously. We're not that sophisticated, nor would I want to be. Um, but this truth, we have 133 giving units that help run our entire church, okay? Some of those people are sit outside uh, of, of Element City Church. They're just people that believe in this mission and believe in where we're going. And as we've moved out on our own, what church plant do you know that has an emergency fund that can supply two months' worth of needs, we do. We don't have that. Like, that's not a normal part of a church plant story. I don't know if you know that or not. But that's our normal. Why? Because we had some key individuals who were outside of our church when we first launched out and started a year and a half ago. They said, we believe in your mission. And they just gave money. And we didn't need it right away, so we put it in an emergency fund. So we have an emergency fund that will supply two months worth of needs if we had to dip into it. And so what I'm telling you is just I'm being really honest and open and transparent because we want to be open and honest and transparent. We have nothing to hide. And so here's my vision of what I'm calling us to, what I'd love to call us to. We have 133 giving units right now. I'm going to challenge us that we need to grow in these next six to seven months to 150 giving units that are giving $150 a month. We will not only grow and maintain our ability to, ma to handle all of our bills and all of our needs, but we also grow and be able to expand ministry. Do you realize how much ministry we would love to do that we don't have the capability of doing? Now, you may be sitting there going, okay, do you actually practice what you preach? Yeah, we do. In fact, we tithe on what comes in. We give 5% back to future church planning and 5% into missions. We've got an emergency fund and we'll continue to grow that. And we live within our means. We will not spend more than we make. That's the rule we live by. And so we practice what we're preaching. Okay? So I'm letting you know that. And in this final challenge, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to worship. For some of you, you're like, whoa, that's a lot of numbers. It's okay. We're going to sing in a minute and you're going to be okay. <clears throat> I want to challenge you really simply. Church. It's time for us to own our grown-up status, okay? And so, real simply, what that means is I want you to actually take time and think. I want you to stop, pray, think, decide, and then do. Whatever that is for you, you figure it out. But if you call Elements home, and I'm speaking to some of you who are watching online or will be next week, if you call Elements home, and it's your home church then you've got to be a part of taking care of home. That's the reality we all live by. And the same way for the church, we have a mission to invite people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. And we have a million people in this city alone who are not connected to life with God. And we want them to be. 
we have a perfect opportunity two miles from the university to reach out to 50,000 people that call that home. And many of them don't have a church home. We have an amazing opportunity to reach people, your people that you're connected to, for them to find a church home where they can be known, they can be loved, and they can be encouraged to take their next step. Friends, that doesn't just happen. We have to own that. It's our time. Make sense? And I believe we can do that. And I believe that you can figure this out for you individually as well. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you'll just start taking a step, or maybe you've been in it for a while, I would ask you to consider what's your next step. Because I don't know if it's ever supposed to just plateau and just stay. I wonder if part of our spiritual growth is God telling us our next step and what that may be. And so I'm going to give you some space. We're going to take an opportunity to take communion if you wanted to do that. And just remember that we live out of the shadow of the generosity of a great God who loved us enough to send Jesus on a mission for you and for me. And as you have an opportunity to take communion, maybe you just want to sit there and just think about what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Maybe you just want to spend some time praying, maybe deciding for yourself. What's that going to be? You know, if you've never given to Element City Church, like that's never been on your radar screen, here's the simple invite to you. Just text uh, the number 90 to our phone number, okay? 520-300-9001. If you just text the number 90 to that, you're going to be sent a link to some information, some tools you can use on our website. And so if that's you, you've never given, this could be your simple first step. And then you figure out and you pray about it, decide, and then start. So, God, I know this is a lot of financial stuff and it's a lot of practical things. And, but, Father, what I do know is that every, um, every part of this is tied to our heart. God, I know the mission that you've given Element City Church to be a catalyst of God kind of change in our city is a mission that's worthy and a mission that's worth pursuing. You have provided everything along the way. I pray you continue to be our provider and that, Father, we would be good and wise stewards of the investment that you give us with our time, our talent, and our treasure, and that we would use all of those, leveraging those, to win many people back into relationship with you, taking their next step in that, always living in the shadow of your generosity in growing a heart of generosity within ourselves that a year from now we're able to do more and a year after that we're able to do more because we want to reflect our heavenly father's heart we want to be a church that does things not just gathers and talks about it and so father would you stir us in a fresh and new way tonight as we worship you in communion as we worship you in song would you stir us individually and just stir us corporately to take our next step with you. We ask that in Jesus' name.